This is an incredible story. It's either incredible in the kind of current way we understand the meaning of that word, it's an extraordinary, amazing, wonderful, and we love it, incredible. Or it's incredible in the dictionary definition of the term, not credible. It's not a possible story. And how we deal with these stories of these miracles uh, depends on all kinds of things. But we could decide that this is a story that is a factual event that actually happened the way it's written down. We could decide that it's a story totally fabricated by the writer of the Gospel of Matthew and has no basis in fact at all. Or we could decide that it's a story based on some true event that has been embellished and enlarged over the time before it got written down. But whichever one of these is, sits best with us, and it depends very much on our understanding of who Jesus was or understanding of who God is and all of those sorts of things, whichever one it's, it best sits with us, the question you've got to ask is, so what? How, what does it mean and what does it matter to, to, to us now? Because it's still an event or a story from a long time ago. And of course, one of the best ways of understanding it is how we do with all great works of literature. Is we look for meaning and we seek ideas in it and we try and figure out what's going on. One of the things, obviously, in this is to figure out why it's where it is in the Bible. And it follows the feast of Herod and the death of John the Baptist. In many ways, what is happening here in the feeding of the 5,000 is an alternative feast to Herod's feast. And a feast, of course, is a way of showing those who have power and wealth and influence just how much power, wealth and influence they have and how much largesse they have. We do it all the time in our culture. Um, if you've ever been to uh, Parliament House, you'll know that the Great Hall is often taken over by various parliamentary uh, uh, meals, essentially feasts, for all kinds of things, to just to show how important the people are who are giving the feast and how important the event is that the feast is for. Jesus is showing an alternative way of living, an alternative feast. No wonder he keeps getting into trouble. Because in a feast, it's clear who's in charge. Herod. Here's Jesus showing a feast, and who's in charge? Well, not Herod. Because in the story, the food appears almost as if out of nowhere. And the Jews, of course, have this great story of food appearing out of nowhere in the, the desert, in the 40 years in the wilderness, led by Moses to the promised land. They already know this kind of a story. So Jesus is saying in this story, Matthew, the, the author of Matthew's Gospel is saying in this story, if this is about anything, it's about an alternative way of being alive in the world. Someone else is in charge. It's not Herod. And that's dangerous. Even more dangerous because Herod has just cut the head off John the Baptist, the current or the previous prophet speaking out. The other important thing is about where this happens. This happens in the desert. And this, this is a word that we translate lots of different ways. It could mean the wild place. It could mean the wilderness, the deserted place, the hard place, the lonely place. 
the harsh place. That's the kind of feel it gets. And there's an amazing surprise in this story because in the harsh, lonely, desert place where nothing appears to happen, something happens. A feast in the desert. Now, we know about the desert. We know about the bush. The European story about the bush in Australia, of course, is that it's a harsh, difficult place. Go and have a look at Richard and Sharon's car. I saw them as they drove in. It's covered in red dust because it's hard out there. And we know that if we go too far into it and we don't do it properly, we never come back. There are hundreds of stories from the very beginning of European settlement to maybe even just last summer. Nothing is going on in the desert. It's desolate. Except, of course, it's not. I used to live in Alice Springs, and one of the great joys in Alice Springs is taking visitors to the Alice Springs Desert Park. And if you've never been there and you get a chance to go to Alice Springs, it is amazing because the first thing you learn is that the desert is alive. Mostly not in the middle of the day because the animals are smarter than we are and they sleep in the day and get up in the middle of the night. But it's teeming with activity and life. But this story says, not only is the desert, which, you know, in a literary sense, in a kind of a myth, uh, in, a, in a metaphoric sense, is the desert place, is the place where nothing goes on, where life is dangerous. In the middle of that, we get sustained. The story is telling us, amongst many other things, that in the worst of possible places, in the hardest place, in the desert place in our lives, we get sustained. That's... I think why the Edward Hopper painting came into my mind. You could spend hours getting up close, and I've seen, <coughs> excuse me, I've seen this painting in real life. It's in Chicago, um, in the art museum, and you can get up real close, and you can imagine what each of those people, those four people in that place, are thinking. Why are they sitting where they're sitting, or why are they working behind the counter in the middle of the night? What's going on? And the stories can be all about loneliness and aloneness but this story says in the middle of all of that a feast turns up in the middle of the worst part of life in the middle of the hardest part in the middle of the of the desolate place the story says a feast turns up because it's not just sustenance but an enormous amount of food 12 baskets left over so what does this actually look like in our lives? Well, it, it doesn't look much like food because if it did, the world would never have had starvation and would never have had famine and we wouldn't be struggling now. Even though we know that we have the resources to feed the world, we know that we don't for all kinds of reasons. So we have to take this story not as literal but as metaphor, as story for us. What would it look like if sustenance was to turn up in the midst of desolation, in the midst of pain? Whatever it looks like, it's found there, in that place. It's found not when you get out of it. One day when this happens or that happens or this happens, it will be better and then I will be... This story says it happens right in the middle of it. You see, the disciples had a plan when, Jesus, when they came to Jesus. Look, it's dark, it's late. Let's send the people away. We've got a plan. They should go shopping. Um, do you remember the GFC? What was the plan? 
Go shopping. I hope you bought a flat screen TV or maybe you bought one this time around because that's what will save us if we go shopping. If, on, if only we just do what we've always done and we do more of it, it'll all be fine. They were nuts. I mean, what village is going to have enough food for 5,000 men plus women and children suddenly in a shop? You know, that they, they were desperate. And don't you get that same sense of us? I, I, and this is not to criticise our Prime Minister or any of our Premiers, but sometimes you get that sense that they're desperate for us to go back to the way we were. But then they get cross with us when we act like we are back the way we were, but they want us to go back the way we were. And I know how they feel, because that's how I feel. I want this to be over, and I want it to go back. Even though the back was not always that good. And for lots of us, it was terrible, particularly if you're on Newstart Allowance. Now it's better than it was. But we're constantly coming and going. What if you can't find it if you leave? What if you can't get that sustenance out of, if you leave out of the deserted place? What if you have to sit in the lonely place? And we do. You can't not be in a COVID-19 situation anywhere in the world. You can pretend, and people do, people tell us um, out of their own need for this to be better, that it's really a hoax. It's not a real thing at all. Or it's caused by something that we can fix really quickly, the 5G phone towers. Wouldn't it be great if it was? I mean, who needs 5G? I don't need to stream high-definition video on my phone until I've done it the first time, then I think I really do. But it would be good, wouldn't it? But we can't. It's not. We know that. All those protests that tell us COVID is fake, all we've got to do is. It's an attempt to get out of the hard place. But what if it's in the hard place that we get it? And what if, what if the sustenance comes out of ordinary stuff? You see, we don't know what, what Herod uh, served at his feast, but we know what Jesus served at his. Pretty basic stuff. Just a bit of bread and a bit of fish. What if what sustains us comes out of the ordinariness of our lives? Not the next self-help book. Not the next guru. Not the next preacher. Not the next politician. But out of the ordinariness of our lives. The stuff that if we're not careful, we overlook. The stuff, you'll go home today and you might just eat whatever you have for lunch and not pay attention to it. You might not be grace, graceful with it. We might not say grace. We might forget. We might forget that this is an ordinary miracle, that not only are we going to get some food, I hope all of you are, but we're going to eat it and it's going to sustain us. But we might just eat it and then I could ask you at three o'clock, what do you have for lunch? Oh, I can't remember. We might do that, but what if the truth of it comes out of the ordinariness of our lives? What if the godness of God, the essence of God, the miracle of being alive is present all around us in the ordinary? Paul says in Romans that God can be seen in what God has made if we pay attention. And Jesus says, if you have eyes, see over and over. And what if it's in the desert, amongst the ordinary, what if it's already with us? Jesus said to them, you don't need to send them away. You give them something to eat. 
And they did. They had bread and fish. This is all we've got. It's just bread and fish. And, you know, there's a, 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 during the 19th century, Bible scholars were very keen, some of them, to show evidence for how these stories could have taken place without anything strange going on or without us having to believe anything interesting and different or without us having to sort of feel concerned. And one of them, of course, is the idea that somebody in, in, in the Luke's Gospel, a little boy shares fish and bread. And when he does that, everyone feels either guilty or happy, and so they dig out their bread. And who knows, it could have worked that way. Who cares? What happened in the story for us is that a feast arrives, out of seemingly out of nowhere, but it's out of what's already present among us. What if it's true that God already dwells in us, like Jesus keeps telling us, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, to use religious language, or the inner sense of who you really are? What if that's already present and you don't have to nick off to the shops or you don't have to do anything other than see it within you? And what's the best way to do that? To shut up. Be quiet. And where's the best place to do that? Sometimes in the hardest place, in the lonely place. I don't want to hear this. I'd be much happier to go home this afternoon and watch something on TV or sit and eat with my family and my friends. And in fact, sometimes I use all of that in order not to be in the lonely place, except two o'clock in the morning when I wake up to go to the loo and then I come back to bed and I can't go back to sleep and I'm not going to wake anybody else up because they'll be mad with me and I'm not sure I've got anything to say to them anyway and I'm not going to read a book because I'm, I'm too tired and I don't want to watch television and, and, and there I am, just me. What if it's possible in that moment that I have within me the miracle? What if it's not just sustenance but an actual feast? of the ordinary, an abundance of the ordinary, the plain extravagance of life. And what if that's never going to be exhausted in me? What if it's always going to be given to me, always welling up within me? What if, as Jesus says in another story, you never have to go thirsty again? What if?